You're listening to The Voyager in association with Turkish Airlines on Monocle 24. Hello and welcome to The Voyager here on Monocle 24. Monocle's travel show spotlighting outposts of opportunity for business, pleasure and inspiration all around the world. I'm Steve Bloomfield. This week we're in Nairobi, where your host is Zoe Flood. Welcome to Nairobi. Kenya's high-altitude capital in the sun. When people ask me about living here, their voices are often tinged with caution. Is it safe, they say. Nairobi has certainly had a rough ride at times, but to me, this thriving metropolis seems endlessly dynamic and resilient. It is the beating heart of East Africa's economy. Construction workers lay down new roads and throw up office blocks and apartment buildings, while entrepreneurs, busy with the hustle as it's called here, are everywhere you look. New apps are launched, new restaurants open regularly, and the cultural events that once took place a few times a month now fill up every weekend. It's an exciting moment for this equatorial capital, which despite its hurdles, just keeps on growing. First off, I'm going to take you to a brand new art gallery that just opened today. It's one of several that have launched in recent years, and all are working to bring local talent to international markets and to local collectors. My name is Wambuiwa Maika Miro and I'm a conceptual artist who's now crossed the road to being a gallery owner. And we are now standing at the Art Space, which is Kenya's newest art gallery, and we focus on contemporary art and modern art. And in this first show, which is called In the Coming Year, I am featuring 25 artists from the East African region, from Tanzania, Uganda, Sudan and Kenya. And do you think the art scene in Nairobi specifically has changed in recent years? Of course it has. It has changed significantly because when I started as an artist about five years ago, um, I started do it by doing it part-time and then took the leap and quit my job, my day job, and decided to do it full-time. When I started, you would wait maybe a month or so before you would get events. It would be like one every month or thereabout. But now you can actually go to an event on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, all art-related. And it's even beginning to creep into Wednesday, Tuesday, and Monday. And I'm, I'm really excited to be part of this movement because you know, artists are important to our society. They are our prophets, they are our healers, they are our mediators. They help us discuss topics that are difficult, and they bring that to us in a way that we can digest and have conversations around. So to have artists in a society, I think, for me, is a sign of great freedom, and it's a sign of development of a particular country. We're now back off around Nairobi in a cab driven by Daniel Igala. Many of the city's residents walk to work or rely on a network of fast-moving and brightly painted minivans called Matatus, a private sector solution to the absence of formal public transport. But those who can afford to do drive or take cabs to help beat the traffic. Or indeed they take an Uber, which launched in the city this year, to the delight of many. What do you think of Uber, Daniel? Uber, it's a good idea because that is, uh, it connects a driver with a, a client that is nearby. Even though we have uh, another, ap- another application based uh, called Easy Taxi and another one also Maramoja. 
So, but and me, which one do you use? I use Easy Taxi and Maramoja. And why don't you use Uber? Why aren't you part Uber, of Uber? Uber, I would have loved, but they are, they are kind of rigid. They are not flexible. They wouldn't allow me to do my, work, the, uh, my private work. As we move across the city, we pass tiny local kiosks selling sodas, fresh vegetables and credit for Nairobi's ubiquitous mobile phones. You can also top up your M-Pesa account, a world-leading phone-based banking system that is one of Kenya's greatest technological innovations. Nairobi residents use M-Pesa to do almost everything. Some say they barely carry cash anymore. You can use M-Pesa to pay electricity bills, send money to friends and family across the country, or even pay a bar bill at the end of a long night. I'm going to get some money out now for the day ahead. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, and you? Yeah, good, thanks. Uh -huh. Can I withdraw? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah? How much do you want to withdraw? Can I withdraw 2,000? Yes. You have that? Yeah, I have. You have to okay. give me your ID, please. What's your card? your card? So I'm just getting 2,000 off my phone here. That's about $20. I'll just find my ID. The success of M-Pesa also reflects Nairobi's emergence as a leading African tech hub, which has earned it the nickname of Silicon Savannah. So to show you more of that, I'm now taking you to the offices of Soko, a fashion brand that uses technology to link locally based jewellery makers with customers around the world. So my name is Catherine Mahogu, I'm the co-founder of Soko. And Soko is a fashion brand that uses design and innovation to enable global artisans to access the international market as well as financial opportunities. So uh, Soko works with nearly 1,000 artisans based in Kenya and Soko produces modern ethical jewellery um, which, which is made from premium sustainable materials. Currently we are at the Soko mobile uh, workshop. So this is uh, an area where we have um, artisans um, use our tools in terms of um, trying to improve the quality of their product. And how do you use technology to connect your artisans with the global market? So one of the challenges uh, we noticed our artisans faced in terms of accessing the international marketplace is that they don't have a computer um, or even they're not able to accept international payments such as credit cards. So we've um, been able to bridge that using our technology in terms of um, enabling them to access um, financial payments uh, through credit cards. We leverage on mobile money and also we have we've created an innovative mobile supply chain that enables them to be able to manage um, huge orders from international clients. Online ordering is becoming increasingly widespread in Nairobi itself with residents opting to order takeaway food, groceries, and even handyman services via their phones. But this suburban city is still dominated by its shopping malls. Nairobi's high-end Westgate shopping center became globally known after a horrific attack on the mall in 2013. The attack left Nairobi shaken, but not cowed, and Westgate reopened this year. But today we're going to another major shopping mall called Village Market, where I'm due to meet one of the family who owns it who have had real success doing business in Kenya. My name is Shami Masani, and I'm a property developer in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, our family built the village market and tribe hotel, and uh, we're continuing with a lot more developments at the moment. The, the journey's been about 35 years for our family in Kenya. 
we've built everything from residential projects to commercial real estate projects, uh, a hotel, and we're, we're currently building a second hotel. As you said, your family has a, has a 35 year history of, of doing business in Kenya. What would you say are the opportunities and, and, and what are the pitfalls? I think there's opportunities in almost every sector that you look at in Kenya, in manufacturing, in, uh, in real estate development, certainly. In retail, there's going to be a huge growth um, in, in Kenya over the next 10 years. I think the, the ease of doing business is maybe a challenge in Kenya. And being able to, to cut through all the bureaucracy and cut through all the, the stumbling blocks and the barriers that people put in your way. Um, that can be a challenge. But when you've, when you've been in the market for as long as we have, I think you sort of know how to navigate that and you understand what to get upset about and what not to and what to sort of try and ignore and what to, what to move ahead with. Why are shopping malls so important in Nairobi, do you think? Nairobi doesn't have the street culture that a lot of sort of European or American cities might have. Um, where you'll have street cafes and you'll have promenades where people can walk through and, and window shop. In Nairobi, the, all the social life sort of happens and revolves around shopping centers. Uh, people come here to meet their friends, they come here to get the things done, uh, their convenience shopping, their, you know, their exercise, everything sort of re revolves around shopping centers. Pack your bags, get ready for takeoff, and let Turkish Airlines take you on a journey to more than 270 destinations in over 100 countries around the world, including Nairobi. Turkish flies there every day. With a fleet of more than 285 state-of-the-art aircraft, no destination is too far. Turkish Airlines, widen your world. At this point, I should be taking you to a Nyama Choma joint, where you can eat the national dish, roast meat, or to the Trendy Seven, to sample seafood from the Kenyan coast. But as I'm a vegetarian, I'm instead taking you to one of my favorite eateries in Nairobi, the pure veg Indian restaurant, Chow Patti. Can I have a masala dosa, please? And did you order? Yeah, I ordered masala. There is a large Indian community in Nairobi, a legacy of Britain's colonial railway building in East Africa, which brought thousands of indentured labourers across from British India to build what is known as the Lunatic Line from the Kenyan coast to Uganda. Many settled here, and they continue to play an important economic role in the city, alongside migrants from across the immediate region. But back to Chaopati, which has several branches, including this one in a very different type of shopping mall called Diamond Plaza. Diamond Plaza plays host to an eclectic range of distractions. You can fix your mobile phone here, get keys cut, or stretch your worries away at the Africa Yoga Project, where teachers give for-profit classes, but also work with people in slums and prisons in a city where the rich-poor divide is still marked. But after a busy day, I'm done with errands and keen to take pause in one of several parks in this green city in the sun, as Nairobi has been called in the past. It's the end of jacaranda season at the moment, a short-lived but intense burst of purple blossom that tints the city's many treetops and soon after carpets the busy roads, 
so it's a particularly beautiful time. Many of the parks used to be too dangerous to spend time in, but efforts by local authorities and private groups have helped to secure them and open them up again for public use. We're in Karura Forest now, a lush thousand hectare space at the edge of the city, established in the 1930s. It's a wonderful place to walk in a city with few pavements, or just to take stock amongst the many mature trees. It also seems like a good moment to run through Monocle's top five things to do in Nairobi. One, go to the Nairobi National Park, the only park in the world where you can see wild animals against the backdrop of a city skyline. Two, climb up that skyline to the rooftop helipad of the Kenyatta International Conference Centre for some of the best 360-degree views of the city. Three, eat the national dish nyamachoma, or roast meat, in one of many local joints, washed down with a tusker beer. Four, talk about politics with anyone you meet. Nairobi residents are so well informed about their national and regional politics that you'd struggle to find someone without an opinion. Five, spend the day in Karen, the leafy suburb named after the out of Africa author Karen Blixen, where you can visit baby elephant orphans, feed giraffes, and have lunch in a laid-back gastropub. A visit to Nairobi wouldn't be complete without an experience of the city's energetic nightlife. Many bars and clubs don't seem to have an official closing hour. According to local legend, they close when the last customer leaves, rather than when the bar staff throw them out. You might choose to explore the many bars and restaurants in the party suburb of Westlands, or venture into the central business district. But tonight I'm taking you to a different type of venue. The cars are parked far along the road, outside the gates of Eric Wainaina's studio, which are marked with a black elephant. Eric Wainaina is one of Kenya's best-known musicians, and his studio plays host to one of Nairobi's hottest live venues every month, Live at the Elephant. So I'm here with Marvin Maveke, who is the events manager at the Elephant. Good evening, Marvin. How's it going? Good evening, Zoe. How are you doing? How many people are here tonight and how many people come usually on an evening like this? On an average, we have about um, 200. So I'd say tonight we have about 250, which is a good turnout. And who's playing tonight? Can you tell me a bit about the artists? Yeah, I can. Two incredible bands. One of them is Gravity. Gravity is a reggae band and their stuff is really, really amazing. I'm a, I think I'm one of their biggest fans. Yeah. The other band is Abby. It's called Abby Ninja. He's one of Kenya's biggest Afrofusion artists, uh, but he's sort of grown into also reggae, uh, so he's playing more Afrofusion and reggae. You have been in the music business in Kenya for some time, so can you tell me a bit about how it's changed over the years since you've been involved? The public have sort of uh, grown to sort of uh, they've grown to appreciate what uh, our Kenyan musicians have. In the past it wasn't there, so more and more Kenyans are going for events and are going for live music events and more and more Kenyans are appreciating, more and more stuff is being play, played on radio and TV, so that's a really, really big gain for the music, uh, for the live music uh, scene in Nairobi. And with that, I'll leave the revelers dancing to Abby's tunes and wish you a good stay in this exciting cosmopolitan city. For Monocle in Nairobi, I'm Zoe Flood.
And that's all for this week's edition of The Voyager. My thanks to Zoe Flood in Nairobi and Toby Hammond here in London. Next week, we're going to Ho Chi Minh City. I hope you can join us then. I'm Steve Bloomfield. Until we board The Voyager again, happy travels.